Today we have a special episode in our mini-series about disciple-making culture, featuring Brandon Gindon. This episode is the first of five episodes that we're doing in this series, and it's all about cultivating a disciple-making culture in your church or ministry. So Discipleship.org partnered together with Him Publications to release Brandon Gindon's new book about cultivating thriving disciple-makers throughout your whole church, and it's called, you guessed it, Disciple-Making Culture. You know, many people talk about making disciples on an individual basis, which is good. But this book takes a step back and maybe even goes further, and it looks at disciple-making from the level of church-wide culture, where making disciples is not just what you do, but it's who you are. You can download a free visual introduction to this book, kind of a cool piece of media, when you go to discipleship.org slash ebooks. It's called the Disciple-Making Culture Visual Introduction. Download it at discipleship.org slash ebooks. Now, for today's special episode with Brandon Gindon, we're going to introduce this topic. Brandon's going to define disciple-making culture, what it is, what it is not, why it is so important, and what it takes to get there as a church. So take a listen to my interview with author Brandon Gindon. My name is Brandon Gindon. I'm the senior pastor at Real Life Ministries Texas, and we are located in the northwest part of Houston in a uh, town called Tomball, Texas. Okay. And Brandon, we talk a lot about discipleship, disciple-making, and then there's disciple-making culture. And that's really what we're talking about today. So I know you've got a, a book that's out called Disciple-Making Culture. And so we wanted to press into that. What exactly are we talking about when we say disciple-making culture? That's a great question. I think that's a question that a lot of pastors, leaders, people in the church, probably even a lot of people listening to our podcast, kind of circle around that question about what is a disciple-making culture? How do we live this out within the context of our church? And I was passionate and passionate about culture because I believe that Jesus created a culture in which disciple-making happened. And to simplify it, what I've learned is to simply say, culture, it's who you are. It's the values that you believe, but also the actions then that you live out. I mean, culture really is, it's the way that you live things out. It's something that goes beyond, you know, what we write on a, in a bulletin or what we paint on the walls of the lobby of a church. Culture is the way you do things. Um, Jesus created a culture that the 12 and the, and the others around him experienced. And so I'm, I'm passionate about that, that we understand that to intentionally make disciples, we have to be able to create a culture in which it can happen. And as I said, it's, it's who you are. It's what you live out in the day-to-day -day natural life of the church. Yeah, Brandon, I think that that emphasis and the simplicity of what you're saying is really true. And it hits home for a lot of people because I think in the church world, a lot of people are thinking, okay, you know, what's the next curriculum or what's our next sermon series? And what you're saying in your book and, and what you're saying as you teach other leaders, other church planners, other small group leaders, other discipleship ministers, whatever, whoever you're talking about culture with, 
what you're really saying is, hey, let's take a step back even further and look at, is this just something we do? I like how you say that. Is it something we do or is it simply who we are? And that's when you move from strategy or program to culture. I wanted to ask you, though, just to help us frame this up, what is disciple-making culture not? Tell me about that. Well, that's a great point that you're making, that churches find themselves often kind of chasing the next shiny object. What is the next program or the next curriculum that's out there? And not that curriculums in of themselves are wrong or bad, or that a program is necessarily wrong, but the culture is not those programs. Culture is not the curriculum that you teach. Culture, again, is who you are and what you're living out. So as a leader, as the senior pastor of, of our church, wherever I go, there I am, and I influence and help create a certain culture. The curriculum that I may hand to a small group leader is not the culture. That's that's simply a tool that's used within. And so what it is not, and your question is, these programs that we do, I see so often we put so much time and effort and energy into a specific program or a specific, even a specific ministry that we might do. We might be very passionate about them and, and those things. And that, as I said, in and of themselves are not necessarily wrong, but culture is kind of around that or it's bigger than that. And it's directly created by who you are and what you live out. Brandon, I want to go into kind of the motive of why this is so important, not just for you and your church, but for our listeners. So let me just ask it like this. Why is cultivating a culture of disciple making so important? And this is as opposed to just simply making disciples as a leader in your church, right? So it's like, okay, now that we have the vision for disciple making, and I think, you know, maybe the lead pastor the elders, maybe the staff are starting to catch on. Maybe they're further down the road than they were a year or two ago, but they're still in process. What you're talking about is actually a church culture, not a staff culture Mm -hmm. only. But I wanted to dig into why is this so important to cultivate that culture throughout your church? Right. I think to answer that, we have to, you know, really take a step back and go back to the scriptures that Jesus calls us you know, in Matthew 28, to go make disciples. The church, when we see in Acts, you know, immediately began making disciples as the church grew. Jesus calls us to be obedient. Um, He calls us to be obedient to the things that he commands, that he calls us to. And I see, again, so often in the church is we spend so much effort and energy trying to create a new strategy, trying to create a new plan, rather than just is take a step back and go, let's be obedient to what Jesus modeled, to what he lived out, to what he asked us to do, to go back to kind of those original things. Paul says in First Thessalonians, and I talk about this quite a bit in the book, is he, he praises the church in Thessalonica for imitating them as they had imitated Christ. Well, to imitate something, you have to know what that original is. And they were imitating what Jesus had done. And so it's so important to me because I believe Jesus is king, that he's boss, he's Lord. He is the creator of the church. He is the one that developed the the methodology of how disciples are made. 
And I just, I think it's incorrect. It's, it's disobedient thinking that we have the right to create any system of disciple making that we want or to implement any kind of program or strategy that we want. And again, out of themselves, they're not bad, but we have to, to me, to go back and go, what did Jesus do? What is the original format, the original plan that he modeled? And we need to be obedient to that because that's what works. His process, his methodology works because it's his and it's his church. And so, you know, you're right. I'm super passionate about it because I think us living out and being obedient, obedient based disciple making is critical. And if we want to see God's results in our churches, then we need to do things God's way. And I just, I really believe strongly in challenging, uh, challenging our listeners, challenging pastors, leaders that I come across that are stuck, that are like, how do we do this? How do we live these things out? And to me, it starts at this place of it's who you are living it out. You need to personally live it out, but be obedient and model, imitate, as Paul says, what Jesus already modeled for us to do. That's why I'm so passionate about it. What I hear you saying is that it's not just the fact that Jesus modeled this, but he also showed us how to do it. So the answer to the why question is, well, Jesus created culture. It wasn't like he handed out the disciples a rule book and said, all right, follow me. He's like, come be with me. Right. So it's not just like, okay, Jesus did that. So now let's go find our culture. Let's sort of integrate the American culture, you know, in general, the bad parts of it, or the sin, maybe even the sinful parts of it, into sort of church culture, what you're saying is, no, 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 let's look at how Jesus made disciples, like how he did it, and let's make that who we are. Correct. I think some people out there, Brandon, are tracking with you. They're like, I'm passionate about that idea, too. But they're wondering, you know, but when the rubber hits the road, what does it actually take to get there? So because you've had, you know, lots of years in ministry, I think it's over 20 years in pastoral ministry. Uh, you've been a part of different church plants, you've planted your own, you've been on teams, and you've been at different stages in the process. So tell me a little bit about what it takes to not just get there yourself or your staff, but your church. Yeah, I think the starting point first as a leader is it's a little bit of kind of a gut check, I guess, or kind of a stand in the mirror and ask yourself, you know, do I really want to be obedient to what Jesus calls us to do? And and that may require of letting go of kind of some some things that are in the church or some things that have always been done. It's the way it's been done in the past. And and have an honest kind of conversation with yourself and say, do I really want to commit to Jesus's methodology, the way that he did it. Do I want to do life with people? Do I want to focus and be intentional with my time? Do I want to really allow this disciple making to be who I am and begin building a culture around that? So I think the first part that's, that is some hard work is kind of having a conversation with yourself. And, and I've had this conversation with pastors and they say, I am, I'm ready. I want to do this, Brandon, but I don't know how. And, you know, I think that was a portion of writing this book of why I was passionate about it. But the part that I kind of caution people with is I'll say that this is hard work. 
you know, even today, this morning, a person that I'm discipling, they're dealing with some very difficult things in their life, and he's he's very transparent with me, and we're kind of in the trench of the difficulties of his life, and it's hard work walking with him through it, and we're looking in the scriptures, and what does God's word say, and, and how does he navigate this, and, and it's hard, but it takes also a discipline to stick with it, you know, my friend Jim Putman, I've heard him say that, you know, pastors will stick with this as long as it grows their church. That can't be the motivation for doing this. The motivation behind it has to be because King Jesus said so. It's his responsibility to grow the church. It's my responsibility to be faithful and live out the methodology that he modeled for us, as you said, Chad. And that takes discipline. It takes discipline to not chase the next new program. It takes discipline to continue to meet with, invest in, and disciple people that are going through really hard things in life. Even right now in the midst of COVID that's going on, it's it's difficult. We can't meet face-to-face and all those things, but we've remained committed to disciple-making even through using tools like Zoom to not abandon it or give it up or, or to stop, but we continue to meet and talk and work on these things and focus on disciple making. So it takes kind of a gut check. Do I really want to do this? It takes hard work. It's going to be hard to get in there and roll up the sleeves and get into people's lives. And then it takes discipline to stick with it and to stick with it over time and to not um, abandon or chase the next thing that sounds like a great church growth model. This is Jesus's church growth model, making disciples that can make disciples. And I just believe that we have to stick to his methodology because that's what he gave to us to do. Yeah, and I think what you're saying right now is a really important point, that his methodology is timeless. The way we contextualize it to our church is specific to our church. It'll look very similar, but very different, right? In one sense, everything's going to look the same in disciple-making churches when it's part of who they are. But the language, the specifics, the the slight nuances are going to change from church to church because, you know, in Texas, for example, the culture is different than where you first started ministry, which was in Idaho, right? Correct. Yes. <laughs> which is really a cool part of your story is that you haven't just cultivated this culture in one area of the country. You were in, you know, I guess you would call Idaho the Pacific Northwest, even though it's not Seattle or Portland, but I grew up in Calgary, Alberta, which is just north of Idaho. And I'm like, you know, living in Tennessee most of my life after that. And I'm like, man, there's more. And I've been to Idaho. There's more in common with Idahoans and, you know, Canadians than there are Idahoans and Tennesseans. And now you're in Texas. So it's like what you've told me about. And I think a really important point is that the context really matters. And so you're you're saying it's hard work, it takes discipline, and that is timeless. And I just want listeners to know that that's not the only element. Uh, that's a huge part of it. But we have to also remind people what that work looks like will be different from place to place. So That's correct. If, if I can kind of add on to that piece that you're saying, I think an example of this is the context in Idaho, it was m- much easier to do like multifamily things. We would have small groups there that had, you know, four, five, six, seven couples that would meet in a home, and that was easier to do. We discipled more kind of family to family in the context of the Pacific Northwest. 
when I moved to Houston, the groups that we tend to do more, not always, but we tend to do more is more a smaller group to have four or five or six guys in a group, three, four, five, six ladies in a group. And a lot of that has to do with work schedules, commuting in the city, some of those types of things, um, cultural, but we also do bigger group things together, collective barbecues, collective things where we're building community and culture, but discipling where in the Northwest seem to be more kind of couple to couple where in the South, it tends to be almost more one-on-one, one-on-two or three. And the consistent issue is, is yes, it takes discipline to stick with it, takes hard work. Relationships are the critical glue in both scenarios that have to be there because that's what Jesus modeled. That's what Jesus called us to. The the relational glue is there, the face-to-face, the time, the transparency, all of those elements. And of course, obviously applying the word of God into the process of disciple making. And so, yes, there were cultural changes that happened, if you will, um, the contextual changes that occurred between the difference between North Idaho and Texas, but there are also biblical foundational truths that must exist regardless of where, if you are in the United States or somewhere in Africa, there's timeless, consistent things. Yeah, that's what I love about your story, and really the message that you're offering to the church right now. And you're not the only one. There's a lot of people talking about it. But I love the fact that you've been in different North American cultures, but you've also taught these principles effectively in Africa. And so I just love the fact that what you're saying is it's Jesus-style disciple-making culture. It's not trendy, fleeting, discipleship is a new catchphrase, let's all get on the bandwagon kind of culture. It's no, let's go back to the Bible. Correct. Let's talk about scriptural truth. Um, One of my favorite things that you mention in the book is from, I believe it's 1 Thessalonians, and it's when Paul talks about, he doesn't use the word culture, but he's talking about, hey, this is just who we are. And and he frames it in terms of disciple-making. Could you talk about that verse a little bit? Yeah. In 1 Thessalonians um, chapter 2, verse 8, Paul's talking about, and he says, not only did we share the gospel with you, we shared our very lives with you. And the surrounding part of that, and even before back in chapter 1, when he's talking about that you imitated us, as I said earlier, there is this imitation and this relationship and this togetherness that they have. It's the culture that that they had. And when he talks about it in verse 8 in chapter 2, he's talking about that not only we preach the message, the gospel, we verbally were preaching it, and we shared that with you, but we shared our very lives. So here you have this example, this model that had been imitated from Christ. And when you look at it and go, where did Paul learn that? And where did the early disciples in the church learn those things? They learned it by imitating what Jesus had done with his disciples. It was a consistent transferring of truth and a process of living out that extended now clear out into the church in Thessalonica, miles and miles and miles away from Jerusalem. And so we see this these principles being lived out in a culture that was created in the church. And I think we even see it, you know, when we go into Acts chapter 2 and Acts 4 and how the church was born and how it was living out these principles of not only sharing life together, but sharing the truth of the gospel. It was the culture that Jesus 
passed on and was reproduced as the churches were being born and grown throughout the known world at the time. Yeah, I love how you tie that together. It's like, where did they learn this from? You know what I'm saying? Right. And it's, it's like, that's not just ancient Near East Mediterranean culture, right? Because he's tying it with discipleship. He's tying it with the gospel. And so, you know, some cultures are inherently more relational than others in the sense of they place value on relationships and interactions with one another more than others. And I think that that's kind of lacking in American culture. But like you mentioned earlier, we're talking about Zoom, you know, so we're in the middle of the COVID-19 crisis here in 2020 when we're recording this and we're all kind of in our own homes. And what's really fun to watch is how my church and what you've said of your church, Brandon, and others that I know of who have a culture of disciple making, they're still connecting, right? you know, in these smaller groups one-on-one, or, you know, we have small discipleship groups of three or four at our church. And our small group attendance, I heard from our pastor last night, is almost 100% attendance, right? So it's like, maybe they're just stir-crazy, but (laughs) you don't get that overnight. That's something you cultivate over time. Correct. And so, you know, you mentioned that it's hard work, but I want to focus as we close out this episode, and this is just the first special on disciple-making culture that we're going to have. We're going to have other interviews with Brandon. But Brandon, I wanted to finish this episode out by talking about the payoff, the results. Now you said we don't do it for growth as a result. That's not the motive. Right. But obviously, Jesus' kingdom saw results, and when we follow him, we will too. So once we get our hearts right about that, about the motive, I do want to talk about the results. So in your experience, what results have you seen from this this that we're talking about, this culture making, that can motivate listeners who want to start, but they haven't really done this yet? Man, that question just, it, it hits really at the core, kind of my heart, because really it's the lives that you see changed, the impact that biblical disciple making, when we live out and do this Jesus's way, and we see you know, these lives changed. I, I A lot of names and faces flashed through my mind, and you know, one of the scriptures that's always had a big impact on me with this is, you know, further on in First Thessalonians, Paul even kind of talks about this at the end of chapter two, and it's about verse 19. He talks about that for what is our hope or joy or our crown. He says, what do we have to boast about? And he says, it's you. Um, it's the people. And I think that's the part for me that is so motivating is not the people in the sense of the numbers. It's the people in the sense whose lives have been radically changed in that process. And I think of, there's a family that that I'm very close with in our church that that I got the opportunity to meet through um, Hurricane Harvey um, several years ago when our church was first planted. And we were faced here in Houston with Hurricane Harvey, and it was incredible, and it caused devastation like I had never seen. I'd never lived through a hurricane before. And I got the opportunity to meet Greg and Laura. They're very special people to me now. And at the time they were not following the Lord and their home had been flooded out and and we got to serve them and and walk with them. And through that process, as we just spent time and got to know them and cared about them. And, you know, Greg was very resistant to the church. He, He had been very hurt by the church at a young age. And 
he's wanting nothing to do with it, but he was open to spending time together, to living out the method of Christ that he didn't know or understand at the time. But I just spent time with him, did life with him, and got to know him and to invite him to things, to do barbecues together, to just to do life together and, and getting to know him. And as we spent time and I invested in him and in those things, he began to ask questions and began to open up and began to ask about the Lord and about God. And it opened the door and the opportunity for me to share the message of Jesus Christ with him and the gospel. And then over time, he, he witnessed to his wife and his kids, and he got to even lead his kids to Christ, his three teenage daughters. And I got to be there when he baptized them and his whole household. And since then, I've had the opportunity to disciple him further, to meet with him and spend time in the Word and to watch him grow. And now Greg is discipling a group of men himself. And so to watch a guy go just from a few years ago that was so far from the Lord, have won nothing to do with the church, to now he's one of my close friends, and he is discipling a group of guys on his own and doing a fantastic job. In fact, he just released a guy that he had discipled to start a group himself during COVID this time that, that we're in right now. And it was it's just been so rewarding to see that the joy that it gives to me to see Jesus's process continue on because a culture has been created that Greg and his family were brought into to where disciple making is who we are. And now Greg is creating that culture wherever he goes. Disciple making is who he is. He doesn't know anything different. And so that to me just brings this tremendous amount of joy. It's why I do what I do is to see those amazing stories of, of how the Lord works and to watch his kingdom grow and just produce an incredible spiritual life in people. So that's part of it. You know, one example of many, many that I could give. And Brandon, next episode that we do for this special series on disciple-making culture, we're going to get into stories. That's actually the theme is just stories of disciple-making culture. So I love the fact that that's where we landed with this one, with one of your close friends and fellow workers in the kingdom, man, out, out there in Texas. As we close out, Brandon, would you just give us a quick summary of your bio? So how long were you in Idaho and how long ago did you plant Real Life Ministries Texas? And it, so it's 2020. Give us that quick history so we can connect with you as we transition into the, the next episode of this series. Yeah, I went into full-time ministry in November of 1999 in Post Falls, Idaho at Real Life Ministries with Jim Putman and and was part of that church plant there. And I was there for almost 14 years. And then God called my wife and I um, here to Texas and and we came down here and, and actually um, helped a church make some some big transitions. They were making the shift to becoming a disciple-making church, and that group now is, is doing a great job, and they're living it out. We, we spent about two years there helping them, and then God called us to plant, and we stepped out and moved to Northwest Houston there and planted this church uh, here in Tomball, Texas in October of 2016. So we've been here just over uh, four years. So, All right, and we're going to get into the full story of your church plant in the next episode not only how you planted it, but how you started that new church with disciple-making as your culture from the beginning. So listeners can look forward to that. And I wanted to just say as we close out, we've been talking about the book, Disciple-Making Culture, that 
is out for sale right now. It's a discipleship.org book in partnership with Him Publications. And this book is excellent, not just for lead pastors, Brandon, because you know we've worked on this book for a long time now, um, but it's good for elders. And I just want to tell listeners that it's good for your small group leaders. Anyone that you want to equip as a disciple maker can take this. In fact, it was funny as we had our graphic designer and a proofreader go through it. They're like, I want to read this book. And I'm like, you know, you're not even on staff at a church. And I was like, really surprised by that, Brandon. So I'm excited about getting it into people's hands. And so we'll get more into that as we go on what actually is in the book. But I wanted to go ahead and tell people about it so that they can look into it. And you can find the link in the show notes for that book. And anything else you want to say before we close this out? No, I just appreciate the opportunity and you know how much I love talking about this stuff. And, and I'm, you know, just very hopeful that the church and leaders and people in the church continue to pursue um, Jesus's methodology and and obedience to him. And and we get to see the kingdom results. So I appreciate the opportunity to talk about it, Chad. Thanks for listening to this special episode in our mini-series about disciple-making culture. Make sure to download the free visual introduction to Brandon's book, Disciple-Making Culture. This will give you a sneak peek into this resource and how it can help you change the culture at your church.